Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com or follow us on social media at Oaks Church, Texas. Amen. All right. Are you ready? Okay, well, this is part three uh, of our core values. I mentioned a couple of those in our prayer today that I just prayed. The first one was align, and the second one, pardon me, the first one was encounter, uh, and the second is to align. So we have focused on encountering God. Very important that we set up in our personal lives, our daily lives opportunities and create space to encounter the living God. You have a God that literally has, he's built all that we see, all of heaven and earth, simply so that he can encounter you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Number one, first and foremost. Number two, the most important thing to Jesus, Jesus Christ came to purchase the opportunity for us to have relationship. Relationship is the most important thing to God. Relationship with him and relationship with his people. That's why Jesus made the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Those two commandments, if we can learn how to love God and stay aligned with God and learn how to love his people and stay aligned with his people, we can fulfill, Jesus said, all of the law is fulfilled in that one that one simple instruction, and it's not so simple, is it, to love people? Uh, you know, this whole Christianity thing would be so easy if it wasn't for people. People make it hard, right? Uh, business would be easy if it wasn't for all the darn people, but you need people to buy your product. But that's the deal. So God has created this entire thing, and it's all about relationship. It's all about building those crucial, those strategic relationships. And it is such a blessing to me to be a part of this church and to be surrounded by so many people that mean so much to Jennifer and I. And she was a little under the weather this morning too, so that's where she's at. So thank you for those prayers, Brandon. Uh, and we're gonna pray more for some people in this service in just a little bit as well as we jump into the third core value, and that is grow. It is God's desire to grow each and every one of us. We've talked about how God is the one who's going to grow this church. God is the one who's going to build this church. The pressure is not on us to be the builders and the grower. God is the one who's going to do it. In the same way, he's the one who builds and grows you. God is the greatest personal growth expert that there ever has been. It's his heart, his desire to build and to grow and to develop you. See, the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he will accept you just as you are. You don't have to get cleaned up to come to Jesus. You don't have to get right in every single way to come to Jesus. You just come. He draws you to him. He accepts you as you are, and then he goes to work on you right? He doesn't leave you as you are. Jesus wants to change each and every one of us. He wants us to be in perpetual cycles of personal growth, and he's the one that grows us. Now, most of you know a little bit about my previous profession. I was a professional martial artist uh, before I came into doing church work. In fact, um, I had one thing I swore my entire life that I would never, ever, ever be a pastor. I swore that my whole life. And then God tricked me. And then I swore for 20 years I would never start a church. And then God tricked me, right? And so God is, we, we, I've, people have told me for a long time, never say never. And it wasn't just Justin Bieber. Other people told me that as well, right? But, but the reality is that God wants to stretch us. He wants to grow us. And in my career, 
as a martial artist, one of the things that I had to do is I had to contend with people that were way better than me. See, I was my, my instructor uh, was 24 and he was a third degree black belt. And here I was just a kid, 11, 12 years old, growing up training with him. Well, by the time I was 14, I was already a national champ. I was a black belt. I was his best student. I was his toughest competitor. And so he made me his training partner. And so every single day I would go to the martial arts studio and I was my instructor's training partner and I would fight and contend with a grown man who was, I mean, decades beyond me in training and would beat the stuffing out of me on a daily basis. See at 14, did anyone, your mama ever spank you with those wooden kitchen spoons? Okay, remember those wooden spoons? And luckily, she would at least wash them off. They wouldn't come right out of the pot, you know, and whatever. But my mama would spank me with those wooden spoons. And it, it meant anything you put in the way is getting spanked, man. I mean, that's just how it was back in the day. Uh, and so, but, but by the time I got to be a black belt at 14, she started breaking them on me. And I would just laugh, right? Because I was getting tougher. And, and she'd break them on my backside. And, it, and I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And so my dad started calling my instructor. And he would say, Mr. Bell, uh, Joel is in need of an attitude adjustment. <laughs> My dad would put personal hits on me <laughs> from a stinking national champion competitor that was 10 years. I would show up riding my little mongoose bike up to the school, getting ready to wax on and wax off and get ready for classes. And my instructor would look at me and say, hey, go put your pads on. I'm like, excuse me? Your dad called. He said, you need an attitude adjustment. Awesome. <laughs> and he would, this is how it would go. He'd say, get your, put your pads on. I'll be right there. And he would come in. We'd bow in. He said, look, this can go easy or hard. He goes, if you will fight back, it will go better for you. I'm going to hit you regardless. But if you'll fight with me, if you'll contend with me, I'll get tired faster. But if you are a sissy... I will beat you and beat you and beat you. Go get a Coke, take a break, come back and beat you some more. So it's your choice. And, and I wish I was making this up. Now you know what's wrong with me. <laughs> this is how I grew up, right? And, and so, but what happened is contending with someone that was so much better than me forged me into a competitor that no one in my class could keep up with. So every division that I went into... Within the first year, every time I would bump up in rank or bump up in age, I would be the, the number one person in that division within a year, and I would have beaten everyone that was the person to beat within a year because I was contending with someone that was so much stronger and better and faster and wiser in, the, in that competition than I was. My point is simply this, that in this thing called life, God hasn't set you up to have a panty waist sissy experience, he sets you up to walk through things that sometimes are horrific and terrifying and challenging, but he does it for your good because he knows what's inside of you. And he knows that if he can get you in this struggle and if he can get you contending, if he can get you striving and fighting and pushing forward in the face of adversity, that he can grow you into something formidable and fierce and powerful. Amen? 
Amen. I don't know what your upbringing was like. I don't know uh, how much you were into competition or how much you were into different types of accomplishments, but I can tell you that God has a plan for you, and whether you like it or not, you will have conflict, you will have struggle, you will have uh, obstacles, and you can make one of two decisions. You can either decide, I'm pushing forward, and I'm moving forward, and I'm not going to back down. I'm going to be scrappy no matter what. I'm going to make sure that I, if other people may quit, but I don't quit. I'm moving forward. I'm not giving up. And it doesn't matter. This thing's either going to go away or it's going to go, or I'm going to, I'm going to go over it. One or the other, right? But I'm not giving up. Or you can make a decision to say, you know what? Uh, maybe this just isn't what God wants. And maybe I could just take the easier path. And maybe I could just, listen, Jesus's path is not the easy path. God's best for you is not the easy route. There's not an easy button for becoming the greatest version of you that God wants you to be formed into. Amen? So let's look at the story and let's understand, first and foremost, that you don't grow yourself. God grows you. God is the one who makes us grow. He puts us in situations and circumstances that we simply need him. This story that we've been walking through for the last three weeks and I do have some good news. We are in the middle of, on our website, creating a media button and a YouTube um, channel. And so the messages that we've shared with you will start out probably in audio form. But each of these different messages from these core values has been captured. And uh, those will be available on the website very soon. So that's exciting. Just more development, right? Everything's new for us. Uh, but the story we've been walking through is the story of Jacob. And the Lord led me to this as the foundation and the formation for our church because Jacob was the one who came from Abraham and then Isaac. God, God had a lineage of people that were coming and he had chosen Jacob to be the father of this nation of people and Jacob would go through this struggle and this contention with God and through that journey he would become Israel. And so the nation of Israel was born out of an individual that was, uh, that was specifically hand-selected by God. He was stubborn. He was, he was crafty. He had all types of, of, of maybe some personality challenges. Uh, he was, his name, Jacob, uh, meant surplanter, uh, which, which could have some negative connotations, but it was that he was going to overcome and he was going to conquer. So he had this tenacity and this nature inside of him, but he had some personality flaws as well. We walked through a little bit how he tricked his older brother, uh, he conspired with his mom. He tricked his dad. He got the, the blessing uh, of his father's inheritance. But then he had to run for his life because his own brother swore to kill him. So he ran from his life. He went and he obeyed God. He aligned with his uh, mother's side of the family, an uncle named Laban, who was a trickster of his own. But he had two daughters. This is what we walked through last week. And so Jacob fell in love with Rachel and, and his, his heart was for her and he wanted to marry her. But his first round with, with Laban was that Laban tricked him into also marrying the older sister who was not so fine. And not so attractive. It says that she has weak eyes. We don't know what that actually means. Um, but something was wrong and she was not attractive to look at. Jesus, or Father, the, the God, when he described to Moses how to describe the situation, the story uh, that was passed down, it says that Rachel, on the other hand, had a very nice figure and was, had a beautiful face as well. So this is the description versus the other one. But Laban tricks him. So round one of Jacob contending for his future, 
he's tricked by his father-in-law and that's just the beginning. So his father-in-law not only has talked him into working for seven years, but now he has to work another seven years. So 14 years that he has to work to earn both of his wives, only one that he wanted. And all types of things happened in that family. It was not a, not a perfect family. It had lots of issues, much like our families. We have lots of issues, no perfect people here. But as the story goes, 14 years in, Jacob then, and I'll read you a passage in just a moment, begins to now negotiate with Laban, his father-in-law, saying, hey, look, I've worked for you for 14 years. Now I've got all these children. I need to make some money. Okay, Uh, I earned my wives. Now I need to afford my wives. All right. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, And and I got to afford my wife. I got to afford my kids. And so Laban says, "Okay, fine. Name your wage then. So Jacob says, here's the deal. I want you to give me all of the speckled sheep from your herd. Anyone that's speckled or striped or, or that's black, I will keep for you only all the white, perfect, pure sheep. And today, all of the speckled, all of the spotted sheep, those will be my wage for the last, because he'd already been working for him for a number of years. Those will be my wage. And so Laban says, that's fantastic. But what Laban did that day is he sent his sons out to go through the herd and he took every single speckle or spotted lamb and he sent them three days away. So instead of paying Jacob right up front, he took all of them and then left only white sheep for Jacob to hang out with. So now Jacob is supposed to get an inheritance that was now taken a second time and now he's got to figure out a way to get speckled and spotted sheep. So he begins to pray and the Lord gave him a strategy. And you can read about this in Genesis chapter 30. But God gave him a strategy for how to produce. So in the middle of his contention, in the middle of being tricked again, in the middle of being uh, deceived by his father-in-law, God gave him a strategy. So let me ask you this question. Was it not, was it God's desire or God's will to have Jacob go through this process and be tricked and then be tricked again? Yes, it was because God knew what he was forming inside of Jacob. And God knew that Jacob was going to take his family and have to go back to a land that was inhabited by giant people and live in this land. And he had to make them tough and tenacious. So he was part of the process. And I'm going to take you now in this passage Genesis chapter 31, verse 1 says this. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw that the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. So check this out. Jacob, by following the strategy God had given him, and I want to encourage you, if you're in a place in work, if you're in a place in your vocation, if you're in a place uh, where you're in conflict, maybe you're you're not being uh, paid a fair wage, or maybe you have been made promises. Come on, we've probably all been through situations at work where we've been made promises, and then they don't come through. We've been promised something and then they didn't pay out. And in the middle of that situation, God gave Jacob a strategy. And no matter what Laban did to try to treat him or cheat him uh, the wrong way, God would give him a strategy to overcome that. And so watch what this says right here. 
Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah, his wives, to the field, to his flock, and said to them, I see your father's countenance that is not favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me, and you know that with all my might I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wage, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wage, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted up my eyes and I saw in a dream and behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked and speckled and gray spotted. Then the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, And I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes now and see all the rams which leap upon the flocks are streaked and speckled and gray spotted. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. And I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise and get out of this land and return to the land of your family. God appeared again, a second encounter, reminding Jacob that now you had encountered me at Bethel. You set up a pillar and you anointed it. You created a place in your life where I could encounter you and you would worship me. And then you went and now you've aligned with this family that wasn't perfect, but look how I've blessed you. And I have added so many children and so many wives and so much resource and all these herds. And I've called you to a place now that I want you to arise and go to this new land, the place that I've promised for you. And no matter what, I will be with you no matter what. Come on, I want you to understand something. That your faith, the Bible says this, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if everything goes good for you in life, you don't need faith. You need faith when it all hits the fan. You need faith when you get that bad doctor report. You need faith when your boss says, no, you're not getting that bonus. You need faith when your wife says, this isn't going to work for me anymore. You need faith when your kids say that they don't know if they believe in the God that you serve. You need faith when you go through all of these different trials and situations and you need faith to please him, but you need faith to survive. And faith is a muscle. Faith is a muscle. Faith, it's no different, guys. Any of you that like to work out or go to the gym or, or any of you that, that are endurance, uh, into d- different type of endurance athletics, it's a muscle. It's, it's tenacity that you build up. It's, it's a type of, 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 of courage that you, uh, that you rally around that I'm going to put myself back in this place and through repetition and repetition and, and through uh, controlled uh, experiences to... Uh, to contrast and to things that come against you, to resistance, you become strong. And God uses the things in your life to fortify you and make you strong. And some of you are in the middle of a situation right now. And you're saying, God, get me out of this. And he's saying, no. Because I like what it's forging you into. Jacob spent 20 years serving a family where the entire time the leader of that family was a user and a taker and a manipulator and a cheater. And it didn't matter how hard Jacob tried to please him, to serve him, he always manipulated for his best interest. But here's the good news. Jacob stayed faithful to God 
And God had his back. And God had an opportunity for him in the future that he was going to rescue him from that situation. And he was going to leave with his inheritance, no matter what that person wanted to see happen, no matter how hard that person tried to keep him from getting his inheritance, God was working on his behalf. If you will just stay in the place that God has you, it's so important that you understand this, that just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean it isn't God. See, it's the winds that blow that make you strong. It's the challenge, the waves that crash against you that build tenacity. And look, look, Jennifer and I have been married for, for 23 and a half years, 24 years in September. And it hasn't been easy. One of my friends, Charles, he said, you guys are two positive charges. That's what he said. That's how he described us. Because normally your positive and negative go together and they balance each other out. But when you have two positives, it makes an explosion. And my marriage has felt like that from time to time. And it's all my fault, <laughs> except when it's not, right? But, but come on, it, when it's hot, it's hot. And when it's hot, it's hot. And it's either good hot or bad hot, but it's hot, all right? And, and, and life can be that way. But I can tell you, nobody makes me better like my wife. Amen. And no one makes her better like me. Right? We're the gift that God gave each other. But it would have been a lot easier at times to feel like, you know what, this just isn't working out. But I can tell you that staying together and working through it, no matter what, has borne some of the most incredible blessings inside of our lives that I can't even comprehend. I wouldn't be who I am. She wouldn't be who she is. We wouldn't be walking and we're walking in right now if it wasn't for that tenacity. And I want to encourage you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what, where you may be wanting to push the eject button, but I can tell you time and time again, people that I have known that hit that place and they hit the eject button and they got out of a relationship that God wanted them in. They got out of a vocation that God wanted them in. And instead of it becoming something that opened the door for blessing, it actually made everything worse. It's important that you understand that you never leave unless God says. It's all about what God says because he's got you in a process and he's making you strong. He's building your muscles of faith so that you can please him. It's your faith that pleases him. And it says that it, when we go through these diverse trials in scripture, it talks about we go through these, these tr tr uh, troubles and these trials that the testing of our faith develops perseverance and that perseverance, that beautiful faith is creating something that is more precious than gold to God. Listen, success is messy. Success is messy. One of my favorite Proverbs, and I probably told you this one a couple weeks ago, is Proverbs 14, 4. It says, where, there, where uh, no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes from the strength of an ox. If you want to have much increase in your life, you've got to deal with, with the bull. If you, if you don't want to have increase, then no, then no bull. Does that make sense? You can add to that. You can, you know, however you want to add to that. But it's messy if you want to have success in life. It's messy if you want to earn. It's messy if you want to own your own business. It's messy. It's not easy. You've got to learn how to deal with conflict and deal with problems and overcome. Listen, this is one of the most crazy times of my life right now. I have a business that I run. We're starting a church. I've had a house that we've been building for over a year. It's crazy. It's dry. Someone told me if you can stay married building a house, you can make it through anything. 
for crying out loud. A church and a house at the same time. We're going to make it. I'm going to be bored in about four months for crying out loud. Here's my big question for you today. Are you potted or planted? Are you potted or planted? Because the Bible says that whoever is planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. I, uh, a number of years ago, I went to Costa Rica for the first time. I love Costa Rica. It's one of my favorite places on earth. And I fell in love with these banana trees down there. And so about 11 years ago, I decided that I was going to become a banana farmer myself. And so I ordered banana trees online and I planted them in Dallas, Texas. And, and, and then we sold that house. So I dug some up and I took them to Plano, Texas. And, and I literally have now for about 11 or 12 years, I have been growing banana trees and I have eaten bananas out of my own yard a number of times. Not every single year, but some years are better than others. But I have this experience with banana trees and I love them. I think they're beautiful. And it's weird, I know, and I've tried to give Ken a banana tree, and he won't accept it, and it's not the Lord's will, I'm telling you. But some of my friends, like John, have accepted my banana trees because they love me more, but that's all right. <laughs> no, but, but here's what I've learned, is that I have, every single year, I'll cut out these baby banana trees, and I'll put them in pots, and I'll winter them over the winter, and I keep some of them in pots, and then if some of them freeze, I'll replant but when I keep a banana tree in a pot, I've got banana trees that are literally three or four or five years old that have been in pots, and all of them are about three or four foot tall. But if I take that exact same banana tree and put it in the ground in April, by August it'll be 12 foot tall, and it'll make fruit. Not the first year, but the second season, it'll come back 12 foot tall again. When I put it in the ground, it goes to 12 foot. When I plant it, it goes to 12 foot. When I pot it, it stays at three feet. It's the same thing with us spiritually. See, a lot of Christians are potted. And they go from church to church to church. They go from relationship to relationship to relationship. And they live a potted life. And God can't grow them into what he wants. And look, doesn't mean they won't go to heaven. Doesn't mean they won't still have a reasonably okay life, but they'll never fully become what God wants them to become because they're potted. It's a manufactured environment. See, there's something about taking that, that, that banana tree or any tree for, for, for that matter and planting it in the ground and allowing it to endure the weather. See, it's when, when it goes through the weather, it forces its, re, its roots to go deep. When it goes through the drought, its roots grow deep. When it goes through the winds, its roots grow deep. When it deals with those storms, it's being nourished by the environment that's created. It's in soil that's not uh, fabricated. It's in soil that's not engineered. It's in this natural environment where God wants it. And if you'll plant your life in his house, and if you'll plant your life with the right people, God will grow you into something formidable, and it won't be easy. You'll go through all types of trials. You'll go through all types of challenges. You'll deal with things with your kids. You'll deal with things with your parents. You'll deal with things with coworkers. It won't be easy, but if you'll stay planted, he'll make you grow. He'll make you grow, and then he'll make you bear fruit. See, the goal, this is what Jesus said, Jesus said to, and we talked about this last week, to abide in me. If you'll abide in me, 
And if my words abide in you, you can ask me for anything. You'll bear much fruit. You'll ask me for anything and I'll do it for you. God desires for you to be planted in Jesus and to have his word abide inside of you and to move into a place where he's able to sow seeds into you because he wants you to be good soil, right? He wants you to be the type of soil that his word can grow in and can flourish in, but you've got to stay planted. Now, here's the reality. Every single one of us in this room that have decided and have heard the voice of God in these last few weeks and said, you know what? God is calling me to Oaks Church. You have now been replanted. You're not potted anymore. And and you know what? Honestly, some of you are just trying it out and kicking the tires, and that's fine. I'm not asking you to marry us today. Maybe just date, date us a little bit, and we'll figure it out, all right? Okay? But at the same time, at some point in time, you got to plant yourself and you got to let those roots grow deep and you got to make sure that you're not continuing to uproot yourself and move and re-uproot yourself and move because you can never become who we want you to become. But Oaks Church is absolutely good soiled and you've got people sitting around, around you right now that could be the absolute key to something amazing that God wants to develop in your life. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There's going to be personality. Come on, some of you, Randy's got a big personality. Right? Anybody that knows Randy, the president over here? Randy's got a big personality. And if you're going to be friends with Randy, you're going to be friends with his big personality. Uh, Teb's got a big personality. Simon's the nice one. Everybody knows that. I'm just playing. Teb's one of my best buddies. Right? Come on, we have, but personalities can rub. Right? Personalities can rub. But that's the whole idea, guys. It says that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You've got to be with people that rub. Ken and I are close friends, but we have real conversations. And sometimes I rub him and sometimes he rubs me and sparks may fly. But it's important that we stay connected because we make each other better. Kevin and I have been buddies for 25 years, for crying out loud. But we stay connected because we make each other better. It's deep relationships, guys. It's long-term relationships that we stay planted with that make us and forge us. And God allows these relationships to shape us. The greatest gift that you will ever be given is the people that God sends you in your life. The greatest gifts that will ever come to you will come through the relationships that God gives you. That's the vessel, right? We're vessels that God pours through. And all of the goods that God wants to ship to you in your life will come through relationships. He wants to bring those great things to you, but we've got to stay in those great relationships. I want to close with this, that it's his desire and his design for us to bear much fruit. And I want to read this passage. This is one of the foundational passages for our church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is the day that Jesus planted his church and it began to grow. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means that they uh, continuously went to hear good teaching. So they gathered together for church. They gathered together to worship. And frankly, that word church, it's not about a building. It's about a people. And it literally means the called out ones, those that God has called out. And that's who we are. We're people that God has called out to join together, to form these relationships, to forge forward together and to become fierce together because we're going to weather storms together. We're going to walk through life together. That's why it's so important that you do not just come in and go out and never meet people. You need to be the friendliest person you possibly can. I try to get different phone numbers and give out my phone number to people every single Sunday because I want to build more relationships because you make me better. This is not a one-sided relationship. 
relationship, y'all. This isn't about you sit down and listen to me. This is about I want to learn from you. I, I want you to speak into my life. You make me better, right? It's two-sided. It's mutual relationship. And all of us should be looking across the aisles and saying, man, I would love to meet this person. Hey, can I take you to coffee? Hey, you want to go get your nails done? Hey, the guys don't say that. But, but, you, but some girls can say that, right? But you got to be willing to be friendly. The Bible says whoever's friendly will have many friends. And we got to get outside of our comfort zone. We will launch small groups very soon. But it's important that you guys start making your own groups. Start making your own small groups by reaching across the aisle and getting to know people. And I want to encourage you, get to know people that are different than you, that look different, that work in different fields. If you just surround yourself with people just like you, it doesn't challenge you enough. By getting to know people that are different than you, it stretches you and you can learn different things. Amen? So they stay in the apostles' doctrine, watch this, and in fellowship, that means mutual pouring from one into the other, and in breaking of bread and in prayers, they socialized together, they, had, they, they ate together, they prayed together, they did life together, and then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And it says in verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. This is a beautiful picture of the relationship that God wants us to have with him and the relationship that he wants us to have with each other. He wants us doing life together. Amen. We're better together. We sharpen each other. And we've got to be willing to get outside of our busy schedules, get outside of our comfort zones and invite people into our worlds. Be very inviting, amen? And watch what God does as he forges you and forms you. I'm gonna pray for you today and I'm gonna pray a couple of things because I feel like there may be some people here in the room today that are going through some challenges and maybe you've been thinking about hitting that eject button on a relationship or on, on a vocation or, or something. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I felt very strongly about that. And I'm gonna pray that God will give you the tenacity that you need to make it through the storm, to make it through the challenge, and he'll grow your roots deep. And if he is saying, I need you to separate from this relate, because God will separate you from people. That's part of being called out. He's gonna call you out of certain relationships. He might call you out of certain vocations. He will separate you, but he's not going to separate you for you to be alone. He's going to separate you strategically to plant you with the right people to build the right relationships. And you may be in one of those seasons, but I also want to encourage you that you don't move unless he says. You've got to make sure you're hearing the voice of God. So you may be going through conflict today. Guess what? God is here for you. If that's you and that aligns and you align and you're dealing with something right now and you've been thinking about, man, I don't know if I can take this anymore. I don't know if, you know, I got to get out of this. If that's where you're at right now, would you just be bold enough just to raise your hand? Look at that number of people that are going through that right now. Okay, we're going to pray for you. Someone around you has their hand raised. Why don't you just stretch your hand out toward them right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the tenacity that these individuals need to make it through whatever they're walking through right now. Father, show them your will. Show them your purpose. Show them your hand. Father, give them the wisdom they need. Speak clearly to them and help them to understand, are you moving them? Are you separating them, Father? Or do they need to stay put, Father, and let them hear your word so that they don't make a bad decision, a wrong decision, but they're plugged in to who you are and who you've called them to be and what you want them to do with their lives. Father, I thank you that you will get them through the scenario and you'll get them through the situation and you'll bring them out on the other side stronger and more powerful 
powerful and more vital than ever before. You'll forge them into a great weapon that you can use to advance your kingdom and to do what you've called them to do in their lives. Father, I ask you that you will begin to illuminate everyone in this room, illuminate upon them your purpose and your calling and your mission and your vision for their lives. Father, help them to see how their gifts and their talents uh, are, are to be used by you to make the world better and to make other people better. Father, we don't live for ourselves. We're not here to hoard up for ourselves. We're here to give. We're here to invest in other people and to make a massive difference in the world around us. In Jesus' name.